Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DeathStoreProds.com comic book podcast. As always, I'm your host, The Dead Man. Joe, today we have Barty. Hello. No Nico no this week again, unfortunately, because of work and stuff. Also, no real news this week. It's just more Marvel bullshit spoiler things for their fucking upcoming events that are, like, We've been getting fucking teasers for their, like, next two events after Secret Empire is done, and Secret Empire hasn't even fucking started yet. Yeah, isn't one of them Venomverse? Yeah, one of them, yeah, one of them's fucking Venomverse. The other one is, what if they splice the Hulk with Weapon X? Sure. Yeah, the teaser image is, like, a fucking Hulk inside of a test tube with Wolverine claws. Okay. <sighs> so we could out get out of the way up quick. There was another JLA Power Rangers issue since the last time we talked. Yes, there was. But not much really happened in it. Not really. Other than, you know, Brainiac took control of the Zords. Yep. And was, then I mean, I'll Zed. admit that was a that was a that was a school image. That was a cool image. Uh, you saw the part of the pterodactyl zord that serves as the Megazord's breastplate with the little bre- with the Brainiac symbol plastered on it. That was kind of cool. Yeah, and it does raise a question for me. Uh, since he can control the indiv- all five individual zords, could he form the Megazord? Because I know that even though the Rangers can get in the zords and drive them they need the power coins to activate the Megazord sequence. So could Brainiac override that? I don't know. Maybe it's like a specific thing to the morphing grid. You need access to the morphing grid to actually do that. Yeah, I don't know. We shall see. Yep. Yeah, other than that, so I read the first issue of the new America Chavez book, simply titled America. Fuck yeah. Nah. It's fucking yeah. <laughs> okay. So I had trepidations about this book, basically because of the last paragraph of like the, like the splash page at the beginning of all of your book. Like you know how. With Marvel books, it will be like they'll have, they'll have you. They sometimes have like one or two pages, but then they'll have like a big splash page of like previously on this book. Yeah. So I'm just gonna read the last couple sentences of of America Chavez's book because this is the first issue, and this this guy just kind of sets up her backstory a bit. Talks about the utopian parallel. Talks about her time with the different superhero teams. Talks about her and Kate Bishop a bit. So this is just going to be verbatim from the book. So where does a super strong, queer brown girl who can punch star shaped holes between dimensions go to get her hero free kicks? Cue up the music and lace up your boots. America is going to college. Oh no. Yup. So fuck this book like immediately. Will she be able to get back to her dimension in time for exams, or will she be stuck fighting infinite Dr. Doom bots? Who knows? Who cares? She has a lab due next Thursday, and Dr. Doom has stolen her notebook. 
she wants to be there for her friends, but her but now that she's also a herald of Galactus, she has other priorities. <laughs> America yeah, needs to, to dissect about that. America needs to dissect the frog. But the frog looks sad. What will she do? Find out next time. Same America time, same America channel. Yeah, okay, so... So that already that is a bit of a fucking thing. Yeah, I know that you're... Imp- you're it... So your your initial thought is going to be Neo-Batgirl, is the what Absolutely. they're drawing from for this. And I can see why, because basically... Whereas you could maybe say, oh, this is kind of like how Kamala Khan in with Miss Marvel has to deal with everyday school stuff and superhero shit. She always kind of started out on the low-level end, and she occasionally gets brought up to the big leagues, but most of the time she's just doing her own thing. Yeah. This feel, but with uh, America Chavez, between her uh, Young Avengers run with Kieran Gillen, what she's been doing with the Ultimates... And just recent shit she's been doing with any number of different teams. It doesn't really... It so seems a little suspect that she's just... They've decided to metaphorically ground her. Yeah, I don't it, know. This is just fucking weird. Like, it even, it even, again, it even have, feels kind of like Neo... It, it even feels kind of like Neo Batgirl because... Uh, like, in Neo Batgirl, one of the first things they did was get rid of her roommate. That was like kind of the first page. Just hey, roommate, who I said was who said I was going to take with me when I left. Go away now. You're done. Thanks for helping me move. Fuck off. And then in this, we meet we meet uh, America's girlfriend, and they then break up. Okay, that's not really. It just it just kind of happens, and then on the is fucking there even a convincing. Is there an even convincing reason why, or is it like when um, Black Panther broke up with uh, Storm? They're just like, I don't want to go this direction with this character anymore. Uh, the way the way that it plays out in the book is that America is America's plan. Was to take her girlfriend to college with her. And then her girlfriend's like, I don't want to go. And they have a big fight. And then she just leaves. And then suddenly she's on the highway fixing a van. And then she drives through a portal to Sotomayor University. Which is either in another dimension or some other bullshit. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Like she had to drive through a portal to get there. And it has like fucking holograms and shit, and they're like mutants or aliens or something walking around. And there's a fucking sorority called the Lilu Multipass Phi Theta Betas. You know, because the demographic for this book is super into Fifth Element. Who wrote this? Uh, da, 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 da. Gabby Rivera. Okay, I'm not familiar with her. Yeah, I think she's a new writer. 
Well, unfortunately, that also plays into the neo-batgirling thing, where it's an editorial pulls someone out of the woodwork to helm a new book or a new direction for a character in a new book. What's especially kind of sucky so, is that, uh, so the art in this book is done by, uh, Joe Quinones. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm thinking it's the name, right? I'm, okay. Yeah, it is. Joe Quinones. Uh, he did the artwork for, uh, Howard the Duck, I think. But he's an artist that I like and that I have liked in the past. But reading this reminds me of the, Adam Hughes, uh, Betty and Veronica book, where half the time it feels like characters weren't completely inked, or they were, or like things weren't like colored in or filled in properly, and her and like people's faces just keep changing from fucking like angle to angle, panel to panel, like fucking. Throughout this book, it looks like America has, like, three different noses. <coughs> Just depending okay. on what angle you're looking at. Oh, and she also punches Hitler in the face or whatever. Sure. You know, like you do. Anyway... This book really ain't for me. Like, really ain't for me. Like, really ain't for me. Yeah. Well, maybe if Nico ever comes back, we can ask his girlfriend if she's read it. Yeah, maybe. I also don't. Okay, so uh, Gabby Rivera, after his quick research, is a YA novelist. Uh, with her main okay. with her main take being Juliet takes a breath. Oh fuck! God, Jesus Christ! I just read a tag. I, I read I read a fucking poll quote about her book Juliet takes a breath. Just quote, even if Holden Caulfield was born in the Bronx in the 1980s, he could never be this awesome. Uh, that's, that's dumb. And they're there also must, there must be a much larger crowd of people that just think Holden Caulfield is the greatest character ever that I just have never met. Yeah, Holden Caulfield is shitty. He's like terrible. He's the worst kind of person. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, this, this book ain't for me. Which is really shame because I really like America. America Chavez is a really cool character. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to talk about the book tonight, but the end of the first Ultimates run where America basically shows Carol Danvers in Greek tale, this is why you're stupid. Yeah, she is fucking no-nonsense, I-will-fuck-you-up kind of person. And she was great in fucking Young Avengers. Yeah, no, it's like, 
I needed to protect you, so that's what I did. If I need to shut you the fuck up, that's what I'll do. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah. That's a real shame. Anyway, go ahead, Birdie, your thing now. <laughs> fuck it. <sighs> well, uh, I guess I'll get the Power Ranger stuff out of the way first, then. Um, so I finally finished reading Power Rangers Pink. That's a weird point to end on. Kind of, yeah. So, like, for the most part, this story is just kind of an out in the middle of nowhere, somewhere in the middle of the third season's continuity, with Kimberly having this off-on-her-own-adventure Power Rangers thing with uh, Trini, Zack, and two people she met in, I guess, somewhere in Quebec. France. Okay, France. All right, it, it couldn't. It's, no, their names are French. I couldn't remember if it was Quebec or France, but um, and Quebec does not have a lot of rolling hills or access to the ocean. Fair enough. Unless you're in like the but, south of Quebec and you got to go up the Saint Lawrence River. No, Canada. But, uh, yeah, I know, but um, she and Goldar team up to stop another monster and make him turn all the people he turned into fishmen back takes control of the zord and pilots it into space to fight serpentera along with the uh ninja megazord that was all really good uh i just love power rangers zach as a trini x zach was not a couple i would have ever expected but i'm not really all that opposed to it no i think it works yeah like who else was she gonna end up with billy Billy's a fucking automaton. Also gay, as we found out later. But Either way, there are multiple reasons why that wouldn't work. So fuck it, Zach, why not? Yeah. And then, after all that, it ends on Kimberly explaining why she wrote the Dear John letter that everyone hated from Power Rangers Zeo. <laughs> That's... Okay. <laughs> so, for those who don't know, well, actually, does uh, yeah. So, in Zio, by well, by the end of season three of Mighty Morphin, Kimberly had left the team and been replaced with Cat. I think yes was her name, and she and Tommy were still technically a couple, even though she had left for a gymnastics competition, but she was no longer a ranger. And by the time Z and I guess I'm curious how long that letter took to deliver because uh, this still seemed to be in the middle of the mighty the uh, the third season of Mighty Morphin when they were uh, still fighting uh, Lord Zed and Rita, and the letter doesn't get delivered until at least five or six episodes. It's at least a fair way into Zio. <laughs> Do you know how much shipping costs even a letter from France to America? I don't know, 10 bucks? It costs enough that they'd have to go with the cheaper option, which would take about one to two months. Shipping is stupid, yeah. okay? Yeah. Okay, so I guess I'll ask you this question. I, it's not that I don't buy her reasons, but I'm confused why the writers felt the need to end on that. 
Because fuck it. Fuck. <laughs> <coughs> what were they going to do? Have it just end on a note that is completely disconnected from everything else that, were, that was fucking happening in Power Rangers at the time? Just, oh, I need to go fucking find myself. And then she rides off into the sunset. Fuck it, why not? Yeah, but I just I find that so weird that what clearly felt to everyone else who watched Zio at the time like a stupid editorial writing decision, they've gone back and justified it of all the things. And it's like, okay. Maybe that's why they did it. Maybe fucking like she, boom editorial was like, all right, so hey, when you're writing pink, we need you to justify that Dear John letter from Zio. Don't ask us why. Saban is weird. Maybe was that maybe that was it. Maybe it was Saban was sick of having everybody fucking scream about that dear John letter. So he specifically commissioned Boom to make this pink comic in order to have it in order to have it explain why she wrote the dear John letter. Yeah, maybe. Just so but, Saban um, just so Saban will actually have an answer now. Yeah, I guess. Like before it was Although, like because uh, because fucking Amy Joe Johnson wasn't coming back to the show, so fuck you. But now, but now it is. Yeah. Hey, buy this thing. Yeah. But anyway, um, despite that, I can't even really call it a bad ending; just an odd ending. Like it's not really it's it's not it's not badly written. It's just strange that of all the points tying this to the rest of the Power Rangers continuity, that's what they decide to end on. <laughs> Yeah. Like I know I feel like I'm just beating I'm just beating on this one issue and over and over again, but like I liked everything else so much that it's just this one thing that I'm like Huh. The nail that sticks out gets hammered down. Because like the art throughout this is out is really good to where and since this was written by Brendan Fletcher, I can basically say, okay, so Neo Batgirl was not entirely your fault. I think it was most it was mostly DCs. And Babs but, uh, probably. I mean, she is the one who tweeted out, we undid some things with that fucking Spider-Man 3 meme. Or, or maybe, um, maybe it was like reverse, maybe, maybe it was like how Marvel used to do it, where they drew the book first and then forced someone to write a story around it. <laughs> like they initially wanted a, Bat, a Batgirl story that fit more with what they were doing, but then Babstar drew this and Brendan Fletcher was like, shit, now what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Okay, well, fuck it, all her stuff's on fire. Hey, roommate that everybody liked, or didn't really have an opinion on, and wouldn't really care if she stuck around. Fuck off, we're replacing her, we're replacing you with this other lady who's a bit more fun, more relatable to them millennials. Y'all use yeah. that Tinder thing, right? What is it, Grinder? I don't know. Anyway, I think we bitched about that enough, but, like, the art was good all the way through it, really, really good. I mean, oh, I mean, it's the Jim and the Holograms lady, who, as much as I have trepidations about how much I enjoy reading that book, the art always looks really good, and I like the way they portray and characterize Kimberly in this. It's, I actually like this Kimberly better than the Kimberly in the show. <laughs> okay, then. If, if, if that makes any sense. No, yeah, it does. This, this Kimberly's great. I really want to... Now that all this new Power Rangers is coming out, I really want to know the original cast like reactions to some of this shit. 
Like, I want to fucking sit down with Amy Jo Johnson and have a fucking discussion about MMPR Pink. Well, do you have money to go to cons? (laughs) Not really. Yeah, I didn't think so. Because I thought she was going up to a con in your area sometime soon, but maybe I was wrong. Well, she is Canadian. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean she goes to cons in Canada. I don't know. But the uh, last time, the last time we saw her, she was busking in fucking Toronto, dressed up as a fucking Pink Ranger. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, no. Uh, it, oh, and she, I was initially she has a power. Ring. Oh, she, she's, a, she's a cameo in the upcoming Power Rangers movie. Yeah, I knew two people were going to have uh, two of the original six. We're going to have cameos in the upcoming movie. That might just make me sad. <laughs> yeah, so it's Amy Jo Johnson and Jason David Frank. That's what I figured, because anything Power Rangers related, Jason David Frank will show up in. So. Oh, yeah, he's a fucking <laughs> slut for this shit. <coughs> it wouldn't surprise me if he if he auditioned originally for the role of Zordon. Yeah. Or Alpha 5. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm not just imagining just, oh, Jason David. Me, Dead Man, have, have you have you done a riff for the '95 movie yet? Not yet. Oh, that's we gotta find a way to make a list for that. Because fuck it, dude. We we can do one shots. Fuck it. <laughs> Coming soon, shit, Nick. Have some. You and I would have some fun with that. <laughs> Hell yeah! If Caveman didn't decide that doing the riffs <laughs> was destroying his love of movies, we'd invite him on too. I might ask him, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, yeah, I was initially skeptical of this idea, both because of the creative team and just the idea of taking just one specific ranger and focusing on them. But this was actually a really good idea. Yeah, totally. So I would be totally up for the planned subsequent miniseries focusing on different original rangers, and they would all be in different positions. Like, it would be interesting if they like did a Billy thing like during Zeo. Or when he was like on Aquatar, yeah. Or when he he get, he has problems going back and forth between being Billy and being an old man. And then we get the Zio book about weird, Justin. <laughs> yeah, Justin, no, the college uh, years. Like between these initial, between these uh, single character spinoffs and the main book. I'm totally down for more Boom Studios Power Rangers books. I just wish they weren't so goddamn expensive. <laughs> Boom <laughs> Studios overcharges for everything. Oh, hell yeah. Fucking 25 bucks for like four issues or something. Yeah, just about. But yeah, no, I'm quite happy I read this all the way through, despite that odd note to end on. Okay, then. All right, you go ahead. Okay, so Man-Thing. This is a book written by R.L. Stein. And it's not very good. So. Starts out with man thing standing in a fucking swamp fighting a giant centipede man. Well, of course. And it's all written like a novel. Oh, are we talking like uh 
the new Black Panther book. Like that kind of like novelized comic book writing. Kinda, yeah. Like it's it's not nearly as bad as uh as Black Panther is. But it is still not great. Like here's the first fucking descriptor. Here's the first written words of this fucking book. A deadly encounter beneath the cypress trees. Supreme test for a man monster attempting a comeback. He knows in human strength isn't enough to get past the silver centipede. Who will succeed? Man thing wishes he had a script. Is it all like that? A good chunk of it, yeah. Okay, I have to ask about this because this is a weird issue for me to discuss. Well, but sometimes, um, you get the impression with some comics that the writer and artist don't talk to each other. Yeah, definitely. Like, there are times where the writer has this specific vision and he does absolutely nothing to help the artist figure out how to portray that visually. So he's just like, fuck it, draw what you need to to get my dialogue on screen or on the page or fuck it. Draw as little as you need to, to make it look like a comic, but to get my words on the page. I don't care what it looks like. Which is a shame in the case of particularly Black Panther, because that art is really good, but it doesn't serve the story, really. Uh, This is not that. This is... This does feel like he did talk to the artist. So, this art was done by a German German Peralta. And the art's not bad. There's actually the best thing about this book. Like, the people look like people. They look totally fine. Uh, Man-Thing looks appropriately swampy with his weird fucking trident face. They're able to get, they're able to get like, some emotion across with that fucking face, even though it, don't, even though it doesn't really, like, emote at all. It just kind of through angles no, man and stuff. Thing's not, man thing's not, Man-Thing's not swamp-thing. He's not really supposed to emote. You're supposed to get a sense of what he is as a creature from how he interacts with actual people. Well, no, actually, but the story in this is that man thing got his conscious back. Oh God. And he's making a movie about See, himself. God damn it. Cause the fucking, See, that fight. was the thing I, that was, that was the only reason that I always thought man thing wasn't just a swamp thing clone was that he was much more monstrous and unhuman and didn't seem self-aware or sapi or sentient. Well, sentient, but not, like, communicative. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so in this, he is... It starts out, he's fighting that fucking centipede thing. Then he goes to squish it. And then the director yells, cut. And a bunch of dudes climb out of this fucking swamp. A bunch of dudes come out of this fucking uh, centipede prosthetic. At which point... Swamp Thing is, I mean, Man Thing is fired from his own movie because nobody likes him. It's like, oh, you're freaky and you make people throw up. Ha, 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 ha. And then we get some backstory of like how he became, uh, how he became Man Thing and it is very Swamp Thing. And wasn't the whole point of Man Thing that there wasn't actually a human conscious near any? It was just like sort of a monstrous creature that lived in the swamps that no one really understood. I do not know a thing about Man Thing. 
I'll look it up while you're talking, but I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but most of my knowledge of Man-Thing initially came from the fact that, for some strange reason, uh, the Sci-Fi Channel made a direct-to-TV a, a direct-to-TV movie of of Man-Thing. Like, it's a cheap, low-budget horror, mo- horror movie. Uh-huh. And in that, yeah, like, the CG was bad, but you got the idea that all these both good and bad people were afraid of whatever the fuck was doing all this. It's just they didn't know exactly what it was, and they tried to kill it. And then they realized, oh, wait, we're trying to kill the swamp. That's <laughs> kind of pointless. Okay, yeah, so just the basic description of Man-Thing is, is a large, semi-intelligent creature that dwells in the Florida Everglades. He is the sole guardian of the nexus of all realities. And he has so a yeah, name, swamp, totally, Dr. Theodore totally Salas. Swamp thing. Uh, yeah, it looks like originally he was much more... I guess when they first made him, he was basically... Yeah, fuck, he basically was just um, Alec Holland in the original, but they kind of gotten away from that. Yeah. And I'm kind of happy that they did get away from that, because I kind of like the idea of this semi-sentient creature wandering around the Florida Everglades, you know, aside from Trump. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't wander around them. He goes over by helicopter. Thinking yeah, that, thinking that his helicopter... He, yeah. He'll actually, yeah, because if he fell into the Florida Everglades, and if he ever looked into Man-Thing's eyes, he would not come out. Nope. He'd be worried that Man-Thing and his, co- and his helicopter pilot were co-conspirating to take him down. No. They're working for the New York Times. Obama wiretapped his helicopter. Anyway, yeah, after he gets fucking fired from his own movie, he just kind of walks around Hollywood for a bit. Everyone's like, oh my god, you're so fucking freaky. And then he fights himself, literally. I d- and I don't know if I, like, have just outgrown R.L. Stein's writing, but the writing of this is incredibly juvenile. Like, even the fucking... Why did you, speci- why did you specifically reference R.L. Stein? Because he wrote the book. Oh, really? Yeah, they, they, okay, they, I did not know this that. This is that R.L. Stein project they were fucking teasing for years now. Okay, I didn't. I did not realize that. That's... Yes, yeah, so this is the top that, of the... Okay. Yes, yeah, so at the top of my discussion of this. He, R.L. Stein wrote this. Uh, okay, that's strange. Maybe he just had more ideas from his Don't Go in the Basement book he wanted to work out. I don't know, maybe, but... Like, like, there's a point in this where, in the backstory, he is... So, so the backstory for... The back, the back story that we're shown in this book is that uh, Ted Salas had made a had been working on a super soldier serum, basically something that would just yeah, turn whoever was, was injected the, with the, into a killing machine. Yeah, that was the thing that a lot of seventies and eighties Marvel characters came out of. The we want to do Captain America again, but we can't because the guy who originally created him is dead. Yeah, so they so he destroyed all of his notes and only had a single vial of serum left because, of course, he did. And so he's hanging out with his girlfriend, and then people break in. It's like, hey, fucking, where's the shit? And she reveals that he, and she reveals that she has been working for the bad guys the entire time. At which point, she does the whole like motioning a finger going into her mouth to to like signify herself vomiting. 
You know, like children do? Children uh, from like 1994? Yeah. And so then when Man-Thing first shows up, one of the thugs chasing him says, I gotta call my optometrist. I'm seeing things. Then as Man-Thing picks up the truck to throw said truck into the swamp, the aforementioned thug says, Hey, can we talk about this? I didn't bring my swimsuit. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's... I... And then we got this fucking gem from Man-Thing himself. Okay, I get it. You want to dance? How about if I lead as he throws a punch? Yeah. I've heard about your past coming back to haunt you, but this is ridiculous. Yeah. Huh. I really like RL. I really I remember really liking RL Stein as a kid. Like I fucking read those Goosebumps books fucking front to back like 12 times each. This feels like it was written by somebody who like heard about a Schwarzenegger movie once. Like, he's trying to go for those, like, really quotable lines, like the stuff people remember about movies like that or, like, you know, the quips or whatever. And he, like, read about what a quip was on the internet but didn't really fully grasp the concept of it. Yeah. That's a problem with a lot of... It's kind of like how Shyamalan likes to draw attention to his writing style without necessarily seeing how to fit it into a plot. And then the end of the issue has a fucking little, like, five-page mini-comic that's just a fucking R.L. Stein horror story. Just a guy is fucking a lady, and he wants to get her magic ring in order to make himself more better. Then he gets it and kills her and chucks her overboard. He wakes up the next day and realizes that all of his fingers are gone. Whoa, he's spooky. Yeah. Look, there were ideas. I've gone back. Excuse me. I've gone back and watched some of the old uh, Goosebumps episodes (laughs) from when I was a kid. And like recently. And while there were good ideas in some of those old episodes, the writing is still aimed at a much younger demographic. And it's not like it's not like how some horror stories can be aimed at a younger audience but work for everybody like Gremlins. Yeah. It's it's more strictly aimed at the child demographic. Kind of like how you kind of outgrow shit like uh, Jackie Chan Adventures or... Uh, you know, the kind of, like, made-for-children, could-be-enjoyed-by-some-adults-but-probably-not-really type stuff. That, and that's probably why more people prefer Stephen King than R.L. Stein, because R.L. Stein 
was much more aimed at kids, whereas Stephen King seemed like he could write for everyone, even if his writing had some of the same stupid problems that R.L. Stein's did. Yeah. Also, not going to lie, the whole time you've been talking about this book, I always find it much more interesting to just read about the movie that I remember seeing at midnight on cable when I was 18. <laughs> Which is not a good movie, because like even IMDb doesn't like it. I think I rented um, that movie. It's possible. But um, what I found funny is that it was directed by the guy who made such illustrious 90s movies as Virtuosity and The Lawnmower Man. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, fucking Sid 6.7. I need to watch Virtuosity. It looks kind of amazing in a stupid way. Coming soon, Virtual Reality Month. You mean 90s Virtual Reality Month? Do you see a lot of movies being made in fucking the in the aughts and the tens about virtual reality? Well, I don't know. With uh, they've yet to option a Lawnmower Man reboot. With the with the success uh, success, I guess of the uh, the VR headset for the PlayStation, they might do one. You no, know, with the idea that now we've got the actual technology to do virtual reality. I sincerely are, doubt that. By the way, did you hear they're rebooting the Matrix? Yes, I did. <clears throat> that will be really stupid, probably. And that was immediately after I saw the trailer for Coco, a, a relatively original movie, and so I just started screaming. <laughs> Kong broke the floodgates wide open, dude. I'm I'm now really sensitive to this shit. Okay. My fucking folks get home from Florida. There's going to be woken up one night at 4 a.m. with just me screaming like, God damn it, they rebooted some other fucking bullshit. Anyway. We don't need a new Gremlins. Yep. So anyway, continue then for on to your next fucking book or whatever. All right. So um, I saw Logan. So I, for some reason, felt compelled to read some X-23 books. Ah, huh, weird. Yeah. Don't really see a connection there. Yeah, I know. So I read X-23 Innocence Lost, which is sort of a... Uh, I guess sort of a distilling of X-23's origin story as it was established in the comics. Um, Television show. Yeah, this was... Oh, right, yeah, I forgot it was established in X-Men Evolution. That always weirds me out. It's the only... Literally, without the creation of X-23, there's really no reason for me to remember that that show existed. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, um, this is really good. Good to it, know. I mean, it's not it's not without its problems. Um, it being Weapon X, the Weapon X program, of course, being involved, there it means there's going to be some evil people that are just plain stupid. I, I guess it's kind of unavoidable that there are stupid people working in Equin Weapon X. They apparently have 
the same problems with hiring upper to middle management that every other evil organization in comics does. Dude, Weapon X was founded by a guy who ate lead-based paint as a as a fucking teenager. Yeah. And I mean, up to him being a teenager. Started as a baby, kept it going for like 18 years. Yeah. The folks behind Weapon um, X, like, hey, hey, here's a fucking great idea. Let's take this fucking ravenous murderer who has like these fucking heightened senses and an, an insane ability for killing people. Make him indestructible and make his pointy things even pointier. Yeah. We am smart scientist. Yeah. If it was more self-aware, I'd say they're trying to be the next Dr. Strangelove. So, yeah. Um, the book starts with Wolverine, the original Weapon X, escaping from the containment facility. And small and the doctor who was experimenting on him is killed by Logan as he leaves. But uh, some other scientists come by and find um, DNA samples of the original Weapon X that they want to course keep using because naturally they will not let this one thing die we are gonna make a murder that, man who is better than every other murder man who ever lived god damn it <laughs> so the head of the new head of weapon x brings in the son of the doctor who worked on the the original weapon x program and he seems to be care and okay he's this character's probably my biggest problem with the story overall because I'm not clear on what his motivations are. Nepotism. No, not no. You see, at, at first I thought, okay, so as he's he because throughout the book, uh, this guy, his name is Xander. You know, evil name. Yeah, Xander. He uh, he keeps torturing X twenty three as she's growing. Like he, and this is the part that didn't oh, make any sense oh, to me. It's Xander with a Z. Yeah. That makes yeah. it even fucking worse. Yep. <laughs> I thought it would Complete be fucking with Xander like, with an X, but no, he goes the fucking extra mile. Yeah, he's not he's not like Xanatos or Xander Cage. Nope. Z-A-N-D-E-R. Yep. Hey Complete guys, I'm Brodeuse. Xander. Complete with Brodouche lab coat over like sweater combination. And slicked back red hair. Because, <laughs> you know, d-d-d-douche. Oh, definitely, dude. He, They are fucking making him the most, the, the most sympathetic of characters. So, yeah, like, I originally, I initially thought his whole point was that he wanted to torture X-23 as a way to get back at Wolverine for what he did to his father. But then halfway through the book, he discovers that um, his boss's wife, who he's been fucking, is pregnant with his child and just wants to bury it until the the wife won't let it happen anymore and then threatens to, to which point he orders X-23 to kill them and then tries to kill her. And then when that happens, he's just growing dozens more ex-clones in tubes, which is weird considering initially they had to use a human surrogate for X-23. So I don't know why they bothered 
with the human surrogate the first time, unless they just weren't sure it would work, unless they tested on with a normal pregnancy first. According to the internet, he exact this was Rice's attempt to do exact revenge for support for insubordination. Yeah, no, I, I I know that's why he wanted. Okay, that for me that explains why he asked the doctor uh, Sarah Kinney, Laura's mom, to serve as the surrogate mom because he went behind Xander's back and said, "Look, uh, the sample you gave me, the Y chromosome is too degraded. Let's just add another X chromosome and make it female. It will still be Wolverine, just a girl." At which point he's like, "A girl?" Again. He, he, he almost literally says. We're built. I think his exact line is, "We're building a weapon, not a Barbie doll." I was like, "Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. wow!" <laughs> it's good to know that he lives on in the spirit of YouTube commenters. <laughs> yeah, what's what's funny at the end of the book, um, he dies, but X twenty three doesn't even give him the the satisfaction of dying by her hands. She just leaves him to die in a building exploding. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Xander. The most he does is cut his gun in half, um, take one of his fingers off, and then beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this establishes a lot of the stuff that was in the con- that was in the mo- that was in the TV show, but I guess I didn't watch it. But for the comics, the stuff that we that makes honestly Laura Kinney a much more interesting character than Wolver than Lo- than James Howlett ever was. <laughs> Because, like, she's got the whole bread as a weapon thing. And the whole... I don't know if they ever did this on Wolverine. I just don't remember it. The trigger scent bullshit. Yep. Like, they keep bringing... They keep fucking with her with that. Like, they recently did that in the all-new Wolverine books. And that made me really hate Kimura. So I looked forward to that fight. Um, yeah, they, they did. They, 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 they pretty much do the, that with every Wolverine-esque character. Yeah. But also, I don't... I don't... And this is maybe... This is just a difference of degrees where X-23 deals with um, the the off... The, like, she has enough of a conscience and a soul to know what she's doing is wrong, so she self-mutilates as a form of personal torture. You know. Like you do. Yeah. Like, okay, so two writers are credited on this book. Craig Kyle and someone I'm... I didn't know about much at the time when I was reading these books, but in, in retrospect, as I keep doing going back to this period with you... Christopher Yost, who seems to have written a lot of X books at the time, and usually some of the good ones. Yeah. Oh, he actually was the... He created X-23 with Craig Kyle on a TV show. Oh, well, that makes sense then. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. He so it and, really is just... He and Craig Kyle were writers on that episode. Okay. That... That actually makes a lot of sense, and... Clearly, they learned what didn't work the first time they did this and said, okay, how do we fix this? <laughs> because I remember, I went back and watched the episode of X-Men Evolution where X-23 was introduced. It's not that good. It really isn't. <laughs> I, I went back and watched it, too. <clears throat> so, yeah, no, the it's it, I kind of like, that, that actually kind of tickles me that... um the original writers who had a great concept with that, that clearly a lot of people liked and they kept going with, got to go back and do it again, but better. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, this, and this is one of um, several uh, 
of the sort of essential X twenty three books that you should probably read. Like I don't I don't think this one's collected in the big collection they did recently, which includes the first editions of the Marjorie Marjorie Lou run, which I don't know if like Marjorie Lou is one of those writers that I I know she's worked on other stuff, but the only three things I can think of off the top of my head that she's worked on are X twenty three, Black Widow, and Monstrous. Same here. I, I don't and, know uh, what else she... And the complete collection, um, I believe, includes... Uh, I know it, I know it includes... Like, it, like uh, Craig Kyle and Chrissy Ghost are credited as authors on it. But I don't know if it actually collects this stuff. Yeah, like, I'd have to... Uh, let me see. I've actually got the first collection. Uh, it has the Target X... It has the initial X-23 run, a, a brief miniseries, uh, some cut-off from another X-Men book that X-23 was involved in, and the crossover with Captain Universe, of all things. Yeah, that fan-favorite character. <laughs> Everybody loves keep forget- Captain Universe. <laughs> Who's he again? Who I, who I keep forgetting is the thing. <laughs> I, I don't know who he also, is. Also, also, also. Apparently, she wrote a Han Solo miniseries from Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> of course, she fucking did. I find that funny. <sighs> but yeah, so yeah, uh, from the looks of it, most of what she's worked on is X twenty three, and okay, I guess she wrote some stuff for. Um, Wolverine's other spawn, Dokken, but I never liked Dokken, so I kind of forgot about most of that. So yeah, most of what she writes for is X-23, Black Widow, and Monstrous. Which she are also, all yeah, she also wrote a novel series called Dirk and Steel. I feel like I've heard of that, but it hasn't stuck with me. With such amazing, t- with such amazing titles as <coughs> Tiger Eye, Shadow Touch... Yeah. The Red Heart of Jade. But unlike most, ca- unlike recent cases, we've discovered where writers, or where like novelists, work on comic books. She 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 writes these books like comic books, not like novels. Yeah, which I appreciate. So yeah, um, X twenty three is a really. I mean, I think particularly in recent years, people have discovered X twenty three is one of the few good X characters left that you could follow. And with how with her prominence in the new movie, this might be a good time to go back and look at some of her initial book runs. Because yeah, I know she was in X Men Evolution, and you could maybe get something out of it there. But her run was kind of late in the series when no one gave a shit. Wasn't she just so in one episode? Maybe I think she had a. I'd have to look, but uh, yeah, no, I would much rather just read the the book stuff she that Marjorie Lou, Christopher Yost, and other writers have done with her. Yeah. Just saying. Absolutely. Yeah, and her Black Widow stuff is also really good. So if you want more, like, mainstream stuff, and Monstrous is fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so, so, yeah. Read X-23. Yes, do it. Uh, you should also keep... Y'all should be real lady killer. You should also be reading Lady Killer. That series is still really good. Yes, it is. I haven't read the fourth issue yet. I've read the first three. Oh, God, I still love this series. It is really good. Fucking Joel Jones, dude. Pulp murder crazy shit. 
So, is there a lot of stabbing, or does she get more creative with her killing in this issue? Uh, let me just double check. Uh, she strangles a stripper to death with a, with some pantyhose. That's probably someone's wet dream. Yep, and then uh, her partner, uh, you know, Irving, uh, he just shoots a lady in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because even, uh, uh, yeah, her partner, who is, it came in at an extremely convenient time to make her job easier, and then everyone in the business who she associates with other than her is like, yeah, don't trust that guy. Yeah, he's fucking crazy, dude. Just get out while you can. (laughs) And so she tried to, immediately after he murdered her husband's boss. Wasn't he in a trunk? Uh, He was in their freezer. Ah, even better. <laughs> yeah, and so then she threatened to just cut him the fuck up right in the middle of their fucking garage. And he's like, hey, I see that you're upset. Let's just give it some time, and then we can come back to this discussion about whether or not you want to end this partnership. And then their dog gets thrown through their window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it seems like super hateful German granny is going to say, Hey, murder lady, go murder that man for your family. Yeah, I think it, I mean, didn't the first series end with her killing her own boss? Yeah, probably. I, I, it's been a while since I've read the first series. I have to go back. It was like, it was like in a big tower that I think was just ended in this big stabbing spree where she just had these two butcher knives like holstered behind her back, like guns, and then she just kept stabbing people. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, oh god, the art for this is, is amazing. It is fucking but, phenomenal. <clears throat> I wonder. I forgot. I have to read the fourth issue at some point soon. I just have to get around to it. I love this book. Yeah, man, absolutely. God damn it. It is. It's not often that a fucking new talent comes along that is like this fucking good. Yeah, and it's also one of the few Dark Horse books that I'm still actively reading. Like, it's sort of this in Harrow County. Yeah, this Harrow County. Um, Black Hammer. I still have never gotten into that. I know you've talked about it, but I've not gotten into it myself. It's really good. It's really fucking weird watching a fucking eight-year-old girl have a fucking existential breakdown because the alien she wants to fuck is gay. That is a sentence that I just said that makes sense and that isn't creepy. Eh, comic books. Yeah, because the eight-year-old is actually 85. Yep. yep, that's not even that new a concept by this point, which nope, that, is th- also it is, weird. It is, a, it is a reverse Captain Marvel situation. Hmm. Anywho. Yeah, that's all I really got to say about Lady Killer. Just Lady Killer is still really good. And I have to wait yep. till fucking May to get issue five. Yeah. <coughs> Because fuck. 
But anyway, Birdie. All right. So, uh, like blazing through this seems, shit this week. It seems to be my lot in life. Well, we we discuss, we established, I think, last time that we blaze through these when Nico's not here. Yeah. Yeah, we do. But, um, so it seems to be my lot in life recently that I am the guy who talks about, um, event book tie-ins. <laughs> That's your own goddamn fault. For the most part, the ones I've been reading have actually been pretty good, so it doesn't really bother me that much. So, um, Villains United, for those who don't know, is a tie-in book to uh, an event in from the early t- from the mid two thousands called uh, Infinite Crisis, which spun out of the critically acclaimed but honestly kind of stupid Identity Crisis. I know some people like that book. I don't. It's it's there. It, it has its problems. Like a lot of them. Yeah. But, uh, so one of the things that happened in Identity Crisis as a result of infinite, uh, uh, that resulted in Infinite Crisis as a result of Identity Crisis is that the knowledge that the Justice League was now willing to lobotomize villains to get their job, get the job done, uh, resulted in them organizing into a elite force led by here, villains such as Lex Luthor, Black Adam, Talia Al Ghul, Doctor Psycho, what have you. Um, this book is about the ones that didn't particularly want to work with this group of people, regardless of what the Justice League were doing. Okay, so I mean, the biggest name ones are Cheshire, who I guess most people who read DC would probably be aware of, who the, the female assassin who's. She nuked the country. Yep. They bring that up in this book, actually. Uh, Is it weird that she seems obsessed with getting pregnant? Well, when you consider the fact that she has a kid in the books and they blew up that kid and they're like, yeah, they've this bad. We did a bad thing. Was that before or after this? I can't remember. Nor can I. I know what book it was in, but I'd have to look up the timing. But, um, so yeah, Cheshire is one of the big ones. Uh, Floyd Lawton, Deadshot's the other big one. The man who cannot miss, who, God, his costume is stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, is, is this the one with the full, is this the one with the full face mask? Yeah, full face mask with the eye scope. Yeah, that'll really help with your aiming, dude. Because any marksman will tell you, aim with one eye. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fucking dead. I mean, fucking Deathstroke has only one eye in his mask. I mean, yeah, he only has one eye, period, but still. I will not be outdone yeah. by a guy with a more interesting costume than I have. Yeah. Gosh dang it. So the other ones include uh, a random parademon. Like, not even a specific parademon, just a parademon. Uh,. Yeah, those fucking fonts of personality. <laughs> Ragdoll's daughter. Uh, Vandal Savage's daughter. <laughs> uh, 
I think I've, I think I'm doing a women theme tonight. Maybe. Because the first book was Power Rangers Pink, then X-23, and now a, a villain team-up book with a lot of prominent female characters. Yeah, and fucking three right. of my four books were all women. Yeah, okay. And, uh... Okay, so, uh, Ragdoll, Parademon, Deadshot, Scandal, uh, Cheshire, and the last one, who was basically revamped for this book, Catman. Ah, yeah. Everyone's favorite. Thomas Blake was apparently a supervillain before this, I was not aware, who had basically become such a joke that Green Arrow didn't even think he was worth the time anymore. Well, his name's fucking Catman. Yeah. So his his decision was to stop being a joke, and his way to go about this was to drop himself off in uh, the the African Serengeti and fight lions. I mean... Because, you know, (laughs) cats. Do you know of a quicker way to get fucking ripped? Yep. So he became their king. Uh... Or head of the pride. I'm not sure how that works. But someone Alpha. killed all of his lions. And he assumes it's Deadshot, who's one of the big heads in the uh, in the society, which was the reason he uh, volunteered to do this. And that's what, like, even Deadshot thought that was weird. It's like, look, the rest of us were blackmailed into doing this in some capacity. You volunteered? What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> and it goes... And this whole idea of a small group of B and C list supervillains fighting against some of the biggest supervillains in the DC universe initially goes about as well as you expect. Where they get one mission, it gets hacked by Calculator, who then sends a ridiculous number of Batman, Wonder Woman, and Flash villains to deal with them. And they're captured and tortured by the Crime Doctor. And dear lo- Okay, so I... I think this this initial book was written by Gail Simone, and she kind of went on, and this was sort of the intro to a series that she did herself for a long time called Secret Six, which is another of those books from this period in DC that everyone liked that got fucked over in the New 52. Yup. Because you know, New 52. Yep. <laughs> and one of the things that... I, I think a lot of people liked I don't know, because they kept tipping around and focused a lot of it on it in the Secret Six book. Maybe Gail Simone just really liked it. Was that Catman is this guy who suddenly became really good at being a villain, but no longer felt like he really wanted to be. <laughs> so, of the Secret Six, he's the one who, even though, who is occasionally feeding in villains the info he gets through this group to uh, the Justice League, specifically through Green Arrow. But at the same time, when he's being tortured and he figures out how the the collars work, he tricks the uh, crime doctor into shocking him in the 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 Suicide Squad collar to override it, and then chews his restraints off, and then proceed after he staples a, the crime doctor to a wall using his own scalpels, proceeds to beat him to death with a tray. I mean, if you're gonna do it, yeah, go all the way with it. Yeah, and this is, again, great Gail Simone writing where she's like, funny, med- this medical scalpel was originally used, built, designed to help people. Funny how all these helpful things can also be used to kill. Like, I'm sure that this uh, 
this dish tray was not initially designed to kill people. Yeah, also, uh, just a a quick little side note, just some little bit of fucking interesting trivia that I found while looking at, while reading about this character while talking about him. Apparently, back in 2013, Comics Alliance uh, ranked the 50 sexiest men in comics. And Catman came in on that list at number nine. Really? Yeah. That's surprisingly high on the list, honestly. <laughs> yeah, he beat out basically everybody of importance at DC. Huh. Who yeah. released this list? Comics Alliance. Okay, because sometimes the, these lists I don't really put that much stock in. Like, I can kind of get the appeal because he's this weird combination of the of the very animalistic masculine male combined with the sort of tortured soul persona to where he can't decide if he wants to be good or bad. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that draws in women. He was only, he was only a, beaten on the list by one other DC character. Batman? Nightwing. Okay, that I can actually see. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bruce Wayne committed a whopping 46. Huh. Okay. Only beating out Grey Fullbuster from Fairy Tale, Big B <laughs> Wolf from Fables, and Roy Harper. Okay. But, um, and specifically, yeah, his- specifically, <coughs> the Roy Harper from New 52. Well, God, that's a... People found him attractive? Like, trucker hat douchebag Roy Harper? According to this list, uh, just written by Andrew Wheeler, just for full clarification. New 52 redesigns aren't always an improvement, but giving Roy his missing arm back was a welcome move, because the lad has biceps we don't we don't want to lose, especially now he's rocking some ink. Is the baseball cap a little douchey? Maybe. Isn't that part of Roy's appeal, though? Yeah, I'm not sure I buy this list. Oh no, it's a fucking terrible list. Yeah, the the, the the fact but, that anyone felt the need to do this list in the first place. Well, I no, I can see people doing this list. I just a lot of these lists, I'm not sure who contributes to them because Fuck, there's they a Catman on this goddamn list. Well, okay, I. I can get why some people would find Catman that attractive. I'm no, just not, surprised not Catman, that enough. a cat person. A person who is oh. a cat. Okay. John Blacksod. Okay. Also, L. Oh, from... Uh, Death Note. Death Note? Okay. And Guts from Berserk. Yeah, again, a lot of these I can actually get, particularly Guts. Like, for a lot of those same reasons, I think people like Catman, people like Guts, because he's that rugged, animalistic, masculine male. But doesn't really... I mean, I don't really care. But he has a robot arm. The reason that... The fucking reason the New 52 version of Roy Harper was put in the list was because he didn't have a robot arm. I think we're focusing on the wrong things. Maybe. Who the fuck is Sodom Yacht? I don't know. 
Why are we still talking about this? Because Sodom Yacht seems interesting. Yeah. So yeah, um, from there it's, it mostly devolves into uh, villains being villains and being dicks to each other. Like, I mean, you get some interesting revelations like the fact that uh, Vandal Savage's daughter is not immortal, but is pretty difficult to kill, and that she's currently dating a chick from Apocalypse. I mean, if you're gonna. <laughs> yeah. Uh, turns out, um, the head, the guy who's been uh, organizing the, the Secret Six group, Mockingbird, uh, ordered Deadshot to kill the Lions to get Catman to volunteer. So that causes some tension. They, they don't kill each other because they like each other enough that that uh, Blake resists the urge to just gut him with with his uh, with his claw gauntlets. <laughs> and not like you know like cat claw type things where you ha- they they form like the cat claw, but just like a gauntlet with. Like claws on the front, so it's like a it's like a yeah, it's just like a a blade of knives on the front of his fist. I'm going to punch you in the face with this knife. Yeah, it's like you know, I could stab you, or I could punch you, or I could do both. That's the moment. There's like, all right, so I want to beat somebody to death, but I also really like stabbing. If only there was a way to. Oh my god, (laughs) honey, we need more knives. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and it the final issue is just insane because it's basically a lot of the big big DC villains versus a bunch of C list no B and C list nobodies, and it only ends when it's discovered that Lex Luthor, the head of uh, the Secret Society, is a Lex Luthor from another Earth, and the one who's been leading the Secret Six is another Lex Luthor. Dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! And and uh, Vandal Savage orders the alternate Earth Lex Luthor to stop attacking because even though he's a soulless prick, he doesn't want his daughter killed. And also, a lot of members of a lot of minor members of the Secret Society die when Parademon, uh, being what he was born to be, a suicide attacker for Apocalypse gets a bunch of mother boxes together and detonates them. <laughs> huh. Yeah, his whole defining character trait throughout this is that he likes to fight and he thinks Ragdoll is funny. Like, he keeps telling the other members of the Secret Six, if the clown dies, I will kill you. <laughs> And this is uh, kind of heartwarmingly ended where his body that has at all its limbs blown off and its insides splayed out in front of him as he's dying, he asks uh, Ragdoll to tell him a joke. Okay, then. I might need to look into this. Yeah, well, if not for nothing else, it led to a really great Gail Simone series about a bunch of B and C list villains working within this period in the DC universe, which I really like. In particular, one where post-Infinite Crisis, uh, 
Wonder Woman gets all sanctimonious, as she is wont to do, and it pisses Banshee right the fuck off, and she screams so hard in her ear she goes catatonic for a day. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's great. Also, one of my favorite dynamics in this is that one of the guys they bring in to replace a member of the six who leaves at the end of this book is Bane who takes a, a a fatherly role to the daughter of Vandal Savage. <laughs> oh, Bane. You're so crazy. So yeah, I really like this book. Okay, then. <laughs> speaking of villains, and conversely speaking of a book that I really don't like, Electra. Okay, because like I could not tell what to think of this book from the cover. It didn't look like Electra, but I didn't want to judge just by the cover. Yeah, so it's in <laughs> Vegas, and a lady in a blonde wig, who I think we're supposed to think is somebody else, is sitting at a bar having a drink, talking to the purple-haired bartender lady. It is then revealed throughout the conversation that this that this bartender lady is being horribly abused by the guy who runs this club. Uh, of course. So Electra, still wearing the blonde wig and all, takes the lady up to her room after finding her fucked up in a bathroom. Sure. And gets on all of her ninja shit and goes a murderin'. It's then revealed that this entire club is being monitored by Arcade. Sorry about that. <sighs> so this this book sounds really boring. Yeah, it kind of is. The only thing I can really say of note about it is that... Uh... Juan Cabal, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. He does... So so how boring is it? (laughs) So Juan Cabal, uh, who is the artist in this, he does a decent job of trying to mimic Jamie McKelvey. Like, especially in the faces. A lot of very defined faces in this. Uh, Not a whole lot of, like, interesting imagery or something, just... Really defined faces. And yeah, like it's she does her whole murder shtick. And that's kinda it. Just we get that's fucking really boring. We get let's have a look here. That is one, two, three, four. We get five pages of her murdering people in this 20-plus page comic. And the rest of it is not even really exploring the interesting aspects of her backstory. We get three panels of backstory for her. Or, like, introspection or anything. 
like the bartender says hey people who come to vegas only come if they're running to something or running from something so which are you doing that's her staring at a shot of vodka and then a panel of the foot a panel of her and daredevil a panel of her being stabbed by bullseye and that's it wow just really digging deep into that fucking electro lore And I, I, this book's really boring. Sounds like it. The cover looked really boring. <laughs> yeah, nothing worth noting happens. Nothing interesting involving the character's backstory happens. Like the only thing that I can see that is of note is that Screwball is now working with fucking Arcade. Screwball, for those who don't know is an insanely minor Spider-Man villain whose only real no- whose only really notable thing was that she got super fucked up by Otto Octavius while he was in the Spider-Man body. Her and her boyfriend like live streamed them harassing people on the internet. It's like fuck this book. It's really boring. Just so Oh my god, so fucking boring. I think you really I, Brady just said wait for a second, I think. So No, I'm I, still here. I'm okay. Still, I came back. Okay, good. I I couldn't stretch this out any further without without this getting really boring. Yeah, no, I figured. So in your final book, Birdie? All right, well, um, let's go really weird. Uh, Patsy Walker Hellcat, 2009. Yes. So this was right after the Civil War shit, the original Civil War shit ended. And that, so I might be getting the time frame wrong, but I think that's roughly when it reared. But um, as part of the Avengers Initiative that Tony Stark set up, he had to send Avenger, different Avengers to every state. And I guess as a joke, and because she has some magical capability, they sent Patsy Walker to Alaska. Where it turns out her powers are useful because Alaska is currently dealing with a spat with a tribe of shape-shifting shamans. Like you do. Where the youngest daughter doesn't want to have to do all of the shape-shifting magic shit and wants to go live her life on her own, but her dad's not okay with that, so he turns into a giant polar bear elk thing to pursue her. Yeah, you know, naturally. That's what you do. That is it. That is the appropriate <laughs> response to any parent. <laughs> and, uh... So poor pa- Patsy Walker being the ca- all, the character that Patsy Walker is a character I I want to see more of because she's really great actually and she's one of those minor I know her current book is great even if she had to deal with fucking black cat and they keep forcing her into books <sighs> Patsy Walker herself is fun yeah because like she has like this great. Like, bubbly personality, despite all the bullshit she's dealt with. Okay, so it was 2007. I was off by a little bit. And, 
Of course, the art is amazing because all of it was Stuart Eminen. Like, okay. covers, interior, and I, he even re- wrote some of it with his wife. I thought, uh, I, lo- I just looked this up and I thought it, I thought it said that, uh, somebody else did the, uh, interiors. Uh, the one I'm looking at says, uh, art, uh, it says cover by Stuart Eminen, art by Stuart Eminen, written by Catherine and Stuart Eminen. Maybe this La Fuente person was involved somehow, but it does look like uh, imminent art. I mean, just look at it yourself and tell me it doesn't. You no, know, no, I'm looking at, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the book. Like, like the cover's definitely imminent. I'm looking at credits, and yeah, like the first few issues, they credit uh, David La Fuente Garcia as the penciler. Okay, but if if I'm if if that's the case, I'm sorry, dude, but you basically got credited to make your stuff look like Stuart Eminem's work. Like, I'm sorry if that's true, but seriously, look at the comicsology page for this book and look at the interiors. It looks like Stuart Eminem's stuff with Empress. Well, you... If... If you're gonna be... If you're gonna sell yourself to a fucking publisher... Cheaper Stuart Eminem knockoff is a pretty decent way to sell yourself. Yeah. Like, hey, do you like Stuart Eminem but can't afford him? Hire me. Yeah. David LaFuente and, Garcia. Yeah. So I would look at if they do it differently with these individuals. Okay, so yeah, they uh, the individual issues uh, credit David LaFuente as interiors. But Stuart Eminem is so in, is involved in it, and his wife wrote the whole thing. So I guess it's kind of a mixture of what I know as Eminem art, and okay, yeah, some of this doesn't look like Eminem art. That's probably the stuff he was doing. So maybe it's a mixture. But just there's just these great scenes where like a giant um, ice wolf accidentally knocked a car off the road, and she argues with it that this is its fault and has to help her put the car back on the road. <laughs> oh, Patsy. You're so crazy. And, and she's working out um, arguments between uh, this girl and her father who looks like an elk bear. It's like, you, you two need to work out your issues. You need to deal with the fact that your daughter's growing up and you need to not hate your dad just because he's your dad. Yeah, well, just sit down, have a nice cup of tea, and hash this shit out, dog. It'll be great. God, I love this book. It's <laughs> so stupid. It's one of it's one of those great little. I think um, while I like her her, uh, I I, I kind of like these these little one off mini series stories featuring characters that I like, and because like this this just this image of. Like a giant elk bear and an Alaskan monkey dangling off the side of an ice cliff in a minivan is kind of amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I think you would like this book. (laughs) I mean, probably. I like Patsy, so. Yeah, just no, just this image 
of of Patsy Walker holding up an elk bear by the antlers as a giant ape man holds a teenage girl and her while inside while falling out the side of a minivan. You really like saying elk bear. Wouldn't you? At a certain point it just kind of loses all meaning. I, I don't know how else to describe it though. It's a giant polar bear with a, a full set of antlers. I don't know what else to call it. Fair, I guess, but <laughs> I have to come up with something because elk bear is. It sounds weird now, but not weird in the way you'd expect. Okay. But yeah, no, it's like, the, I mean, the story's fun, and Catherine Eminem clearly likes and understands this character and has a lot of fun with her. This, I, I get the impression, though, that uh, this was at a period where it, the entire Marvel Universe kind of felt like they needed to shit on Hellcat. I don't know why, but... Because fuck you, she's popular. I don't know. <laughs> was she that popular? Because, like, I, I know she had... She is a character that goes back to the 70s, and she's popped up in different places. But she didn't even have her own book until very recently, aside from this, as far as I can tell. And she basically just showed up in other people's books. I don't know, dude. It I don't know. Editorial shit, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Okay, so it looks like um, Eminem was lettering and some art, but La Fuente did the majority of the interior. So it's kind of a weird breakdown. Maybe it's just that... That trade paperback is misleading. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah, no. Um, this was a fun little... I don't want to call it a one-off because it was five issues, but it's... It's a mini-series. Fun little mini-series. You got some weird Alaska stuff, some shaman magic with animal transformations, wacky adventures in, with uh, a chick who's used to being a fashion model dressed like, dressed for Alaskan winter. <laughs> Which I imagine is probably about the same as some Canadian winters. And then it eventually, ah. and this book eventually turns into a book about her rooming with a psychic gay man. <laughs> and they, and she's best friends with the vampire and fighting her old best friend over rights to her own fucking name. Hellcat's weird. Yeah, well, at least now she has a distinct name and is not just the cat. Was she ever just the cat? Yeah, her first appearance. Remember that? The cat? I do not. And back in 19... I think it was like 72, 73. Her initial cover... It looks like she was just the cat. We probably talked about this a bunch in the show and I just haven't remembered because I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. And also, I, I rarely comment on this, but sometimes uh, this book is kind of a weird mix. Its interior covers are kind of a weird mixture of good and bad. Like, some of them are just, like, the most blatantly generic bullshit that you don't care about. But then you have shit like her riding on the back of a giant wolf or uh, wrestling a tentacle horror. You know, like you do. <laughs> So it's this great mixture of good and bad covers also. So yeah, no, I'm quite happy I read this. And I will probably read it again when I have some more time. And I think you actually might like it, K-Man, if you... Damn Dead Man. If you like... Passing Aloha.
I can't think of anything else to say about caveman. I was going to do fucking jokes where I just play up some fucking thing of him and I haven't talked to him in a while and I don't remember what he sounds like. He, he He's busy getting married. Oh, he's fucking nerd. Out there building a future for yourself like some fucking jobber. Why don't you go start a retirement savings plan, you fucking dork. So, yeah. That's gonna be over this week. Your last book, Dead Man. Oh wait, you don't. Don't you have one more book? No, I went first, so I finished before you did. Oh, okay. Well, I guess. Yeah, I guess we're done. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks' time with hopefully a more substantial show. We, we we need our we need our um. We get these these things done fast when it's just us, but we need our uh, side tracker back. Me and Nico need to sit here and talk about fucking minutia for seven hours. <laughs> We're just sitting here like, I just want to talk about Lady Killer guys. Hey, I read this book from like 1987. It's pretty good. Thank you for joining us. Until the next show. I'm dead. And I'm Birdie. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>